and welcome to the Personal Investor Podcast. I'm Ed Monk. Today on the show, we're breaking from the normal cycle of markets and economy news to go back to basics and ask what makes you invest and what puts you off. Fidelity colleagues Bex Nunn and Nafisa Zaman join me to talk about the challenges of being a new investor and the way they found of overcoming them. If you enjoy the show, please rate us, share us, or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. Perhaps the most important decision that any investor ever makes is to take the plunge and to invest their money for the very first time. However they do it, it means risking financial losses and entering a world that can seem extremely complicated to the uninitiated. What was the thing that helped you overcome those obstacles and make that first investment? That's the question we're hoping to answer today. And to do it, I'm very pleased to say that I'm joined in the studio by Bex Nunn and Nafisa Zaman. Both colleagues of mine here at Fidelity, thanks to you both for joining me today. Um, guys, I'm going to say at the start that most of those listening to the podcast are already going to be investors. They don't need to be sold on the benefits of investing. But I hope that our discussion today is still useful. And perhaps um, if they have other people in their lives that do need encouragement, it's going to help them um, get there. So that all said, Nafisa, let's come to you first. Um, I'm not going to divulge everybody's age, um, but it is fair to say that you are the youngest of us here today and the newest to the world of investing. Um, You've been introduced to it by working here, I guess. Um, But what were your impressions of investing before that? Um, I think it was quite scary. Um, I didn't really understand any of the jargon. And I think when I was younger, I think there was an emphasis more on saving over investing. Um, I think I kind of saw things on TV, in films, TV shows, that kind of thing. (laughs) The Wolf of Wall Street, that was kind of my first kind of insight into it. But I think it was just something that was just not in my vocabulary. Um, And... um, probably just confusing and there was a lot of numbers involved and I think I just lack the confidence to do anything about it. Yeah no it's funny I was thinking before we came in today about you know my impression of investing before you know as a younger person and basically it's all bad isn't it when you're a child the only time you ever hear about investing is is when it's gone badly wrong you know if it's in the news it's because there's a big stock market crash or I think we learned about like the 1929 Wall Street crash (laughs) None, none of it good. None of it yeah. good. And 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 basically yuppies yelling at phones, stockbrokers. <laughs> it was that sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, fine. So so Bex, how about you? How did you come to be aware that investing might be something you needed or wanted to do? Yeah, so much like Nafisa, um, even though I'm a little bit older, um, um, it wasn't in my vocabulary. My parents didn't talk to me about it. They had their own businesses, but it was very much about mm. saving as opposed to investing. But um, I suppose the harsh reality came um, when I was freelancing. So I freelanced before I came yes. to Fidelity for 10 years. And um, I, in that time, I didn't have any spare money to put aside. So I did have a SIP, a self-invested personal pension, but what I wasn't doing was saving into that regularly. Mm. And it was when I came to Fidelity, um, and that's you know a good few years now, um, but I just realized the power of investing. Um, so I kind of realized that I needed to, to catch up and make good, if you will. And the fact that actually it was open to everybody. Um, and I thought, previously that it was inaccessible it was sort of rich people with deep pockets um and that it wasn't for me but how wrong i was yeah it's that that point about it being accessible i think is really important i can relate to that i can you know i knew i think what 
I, I knew what a share was, you know, I knew mm. that you could buy shares and they were in companies and, and, and they went up and down and all that sort of thing. But it was only when someone explained to me, well, actually, you don't have to kind of just pick a company or know mm. about a company necessarily. There's a more simple way you can do it. You can give your money to a fund, say, and then they'll make all their decisions for you. And then you can actually own a fund via an investing platform and it's like a bank account you know you can just look at it on the computer and there it is and all that sort of stuff it it becomes sort of demystified right i mean nafisa did you have a similar experience when it came to that kind of you know that learning process is there anything that you learned that made it easier to understand or less confusing um i think just working here and being amassed um by lots of yes. different articles and reading the financial times regularly that kind of thing was uh, a good insight into what was going on um but i think the most important thing was probably learning the investing principles and understanding actually what was a fund what is a share i think that was helpful and then kind of learning about account types so that was something that i was unfamiliar with i didn't really realize what a stocks and shares isa was before i came here or a sip or um, whatever the other one is, um, but I a think general investment account. It, it could be that one. Um, oh, at the LISA, the LISA. That's the one that I was thinking about. Yes, the LISA. Um, LISA yeah. So I think just having that knowledge, the kind of basic things, kind of helped me build my confidence, and also just having all of these apps around as well was quite helpful. So Moneybox was a really good one that I used. Uh -huh. uh, Free Trade was really good. And I think that visual kind of element was really helpful for me to understand investing a bit better. Yeah, and that's something that's around now that basically wasn't around no. in the past, Bex, was it? I no, mean, it was, you know, the idea that there would be sort of technological solutions and easier ways of doing it. It was, thankfully, I think things have got a bit easier, don't they? I mean, Bex, is there anything that, you know, similarly sort of got you over the line when it came to investing any anything sort of yeah I suppose or? you know and obviously I'm going to big up our website um, <laughs> but you know when I first joined Fidelity I really lent into our website um, because you know the actual process investing can seem complex but actually when you break it down into yeah. sort of bite-sized chunks it's not you know you choose an account that is right for your goals and your ambitions and your needs you then have to choose some investments and that's when I really sort of found that a lot of the tools that we have on our website come into their own so we've got things like navigator where it can select a few options for you based on yes. your kind of like attitude to risk you could then move on to the select 50 which is a list of, um, of funds that are chosen by experts um, and then when you feel confident enough you can go it alone and use our investment finder and you can look at different asset classes and just think broader as you learn you know sort of like what active and passive is mm -hmm. and all those kind of like things that feel very complicated to begin with um, to build a portfolio that suits your needs but you know I, so I really lent into those when I first started. Yeah no I think that it is really helpful and, and, and it's important for people to understand that you don't need to make every minute decision along the way there's basically Why? there's always there's always a simple way of doing it investing yes it can be more complicated but honestly I, i've spoken to people who are very very high flyers in the investment industry and they invest in the most simple basic ways yeah. they really really do and it can be just as uh, just as effective um one of the things i wanted to do in this conversation was to think a little bit about the the motivations behind uh, investing and Bex I'll stay with you I mean one of the things that people often say when it comes to investing is that the real motivation is either fear or greed <laughs> so you've got the fear that you're basically going to be poor in the future you're not going to have money or you know to put it more seriously that your family's not going to be provided for that's a pretty powerful 
motivation or simply it's greed. I can get rich and I can have lots of money in the future. Of those two, Bex, if you had to say, uh, what do you think has been the most powerful in nudging you? Yeah, I think definitely it's fear for me. Um, and um, that's because I have children um, who are dependent on me. Um, and um, I think that, you know, there was a time where I wasn't really saving regularly, but actually um, we came into sort of COVID and that was probably a real prompt for me to think about investing other than sort of like just putting things into my SIP. Um, and we didn't have a much um, to spend our money on. So we, course, we, yeah. we decided that we were going to not think about the here and now we were going to put it away and then when we when the world opened up we could go and enjoy ourselves and do things that you know we could make good use of this money that we were saving mm. so now sort of few years on we've got enough to go on a holiday of a lifetime and take the kids to america um and you know we've had those discussions about we're saving up for this um and i think it's good and healthy for them to realize that you can't just you know put everything on a credit card or you know sometimes things are worth waiting for um, so it's very much more about sort of the fear for providing for them, the fear about sort of maybe my future and my retirement. And even then sort of like onwards, I suppose, you yeah, have the fear about, um, you know, thinking about passing on my wealth when I'm no yeah. longer around. So it's definitely more about fear than greed um, yeah. for me. And, and Nafisa, I mean, you are the resident young person. Established <laughs> that. So um, I wonder what the impression is of investing amongst other people your age? I mean, what are the levels of knowledge, would you say, among young people? Are they curious about what you do, for example, and do they show any interest in investing themselves? Um, I'd say it's quite a mixed bag. I have some friends who are really interested in it and will actively invest and have like a stocks and shares account, you know, they're right. saving up for a house deposit. And then on the other side, there's some people who just don't have a clue what's going on. Mm -hmm. I think the most they know is that their salary is going to come in and um, they're going to spend it on something. They might save a little bit, but that's about as far as it goes. So there's not no real purpose, perhaps. Um, in terms of my job role, I think I try and keep it very simple for them because it's quite maybe confusing to them and they don't really understand what fidelity is and what it does. So I always try and break it down and keep it simple for them. Um, but I think they don't really know what I'm doing here. Yeah. Um, I think that's just a general lack of awareness, I guess, on financial education. Um, but it's nice to see that there is some interest. I think there's definitely more curiosity amongst them than um, some people my age, yeah. Yeah, I think a sort of lack of knowledge is perfectly forgivable because the mm. reality is that you never really get interested in stuff when it becomes a kind of a real thing for you. And A, you have the money. I mean, clearly as a young, young person, mm -hmm that you don't have as much money and there's all sorts of other demands uh, on your money. So it, that is understandable. I mean, it's interesting to me that these days, and this I think is a change from what it used to be like, there's all sorts of other ways that young people are in fact tempted to effectively risk their money with investments. You've got cryptocurrencies, NFTs, other collectibles of all kinds, trainers, whatever it is. <laughs> but, you know, people, there is lots of marketplace stuff for, you know, ways for people to buy assets, essentially. Mm -hmm. Is that something you see amongst your friends and does investing in a more conventional way through shares, funds, whatever it is, does that ever come into the conversation? Um, I think my friends are all quite sensible, so I don't think they will risk their money um, um, as much, um, I don't know, as some people would do. Um, but I think generally, I think they would lean towards traditional kind of investing. So something in the stock market, for example, funds and stuff. Um, 
I think maybe it's just a topic of conversation more so, mm -hmm. just out of interest, kind of talking about what's happening with crypto. But I think me as well, I think it's not something that I would lean towards because I know my money is not safe. And I think generally among my friends, I think we know how hard we work because, you know, we're doing this nine to five, we're in the office like Monday to Friday, um, sometimes working from home. Um, and we don't want to kind of lose that money. We want to make sure we preserve it. So I think actually, it's not something that's quite common. I think maybe it's just a trend. It maybe is more popular on social media than mm. actual real life, I think. You and your friends sound very sensible. You're, you're, <laughs> you're think, confirming I mean, my faith that the younger generation are more sensible. I think generally um, they are, but they can be obviously not not, not so sensible in other ways, but um, with money, quite so, yeah. Okay. Um, Bex, you've mentioned um, your kids and how you're sort of introducing these themes and these lessons around yeah. saving investments. Do you have a plan? to sort of introduce them to, to you know, the more serious side of investing when the time comes. I mean, clearly that they might not be there yet, but do you have thoughts about the future of how they can get at least engaged, if not thoroughly interested in their future financial planning? Yeah, I mean, I did sort of mention that um, we talked about when I was investing in the ISA, that the reason that we were doing it is that we were putting some money and set yes. aside for America. So we genuinely have been talking about it and and genuinely, we've talked about what the difference are between sort of equities and shares and funds and wow. and bonds. <laughs> um, and But on a level that they can understand, of course, you know, yeah. and for them, if I asked them what they were going to invest in, they invest in, you know, um, what they know. Um, so that for them is all about Disney, Netflix, um, <laughs> Amazon. Um, all but of they, which you can They invest get in. that they could share a little piece of that, you yes. know, own a tiny yes. little slither. Um, and they love that idea. It really speaks to them um, it's got bragging rights as they would say yeah. Um, so yeah I think you know it is important to have these discussions they know that they have they both have junior ISAs they both have junior SIPs and I think the important thing to remember about this is and again it's something that we taught to them it's about little and often you know you can start investing from 25 pounds a month that's for an ISA 20 pounds of your own cash mm. if it's a junior SIP but the government tops it up by five pounds and you know that's the cost of what you can't even get a takeaway for a family um you know and they they get this and they grasp it and we've talked about well you will get that junior ISA when you're 18 and we can't tell you what to do with it. You know, you will, in 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 the eyes of, of the law, you're an adult and you can spend it however you want. But we would encourage you to do something meaningful with it. Mm. Now, whether that is that you put it towards a deposit for a house or whether it's that you want to start your own business or whether it's because you want to add to it because it's not quite enough for what you want to do. They get all of that. And I, I've got to say, it's remarkable, but I'm... I love the fact that we have those conversations because I didn't have those conversations no, with my parents, which is why I started later in life. Um, but they're already getting into that mindset and they save their, you know, they save their pocket money and they, they, they already kind of like, well, you know, I'm like, I'll buy you a cheap pair of trainers if you want that big name brand pair of trainers where you'll get that in six months yeah. when you've got enough money. So they do get it. And, and I guess a, a lot of, you know, from what you say there, a lot of it is sort of introducing the, uh, the, 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 you know the benefit of saving making that a tangible thing yeah. you know early on they have, they have lesson that's a lesson about saving in general isn't it but it's interesting that you, you talk about the investing side of it and owning small slivers of of companies that was always really really powerful I remember mm. I mean it wasn't a child I was in my 20s but I had this impression as we've sort of touched on in this conversation that basically the stock market was like gambling of some kind yeah. like a horse race basically yeah. you just pick a horse mm -hmm. might go up might go down might lose money might win money 
And it was only when I got my head around the fact that, no, what you're doing is actually owning a tiny sliver of something that is out in the world making money. That's the mm. point of companies. Mm. And once you get your head around that, everything feels a bit more, you're more comfortable with, with that risk. And, and yeah. you're not thinking, well, I'm throwing my money away. You're thinking, well, no, I own something here. Might go up, might go down, but I do actually still um, own it. Yeah. Um, now, part of our job here on our team is to explain and to demystify investing through the content we produce, uh, often to people who are quite wary of investing and quite wary of risking their money. I just wondered amongst uh, amongst us if there's any nuggets of knowledge that we found particularly useful or powerful or persuasive when it comes to explaining the risks that people face. I think that's often the obstacle people need to overcome when it comes to investing. You know, they just don't like the idea of their money being at risk. I've always thought it's very powerful when you explain to people the, the the fact that markets do recover over time and that if you're prepared to stay invested, your chances of making some sort of gain do dramatically go up. At least they have throughout history. You know, obviously the future is never certain, but I think that's a very, very powerful um a powerful thing to explain to people and once you do explain to them they are more comfortable with the risk yeah. Bex do you have any other examples of things like that where you hear it and you think alright oh, now I understand that I'm just a bit more comfortable with the whole thing yeah I mean I think time is absolutely um, one of the most important things when you're thinking about starting out um, putting time on your side is, is you know I don't think you've ever really heard anybody say they wish they'd started investing later in life yeah. it's typically the reverse um, but beyond that I suppose it's then about spreading the risk so it's that whole sort of diversification 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 piece um, you know if you don't put all your eggs in one basket then you're likely to be able to ride out the market highs and lows so you know traditionally or a lot of investors anyway think about sort of holding a 60-40 split 60% mm -hmm. in equities um, and 40% in bonds because, you know, as asset classes, they tend to um, operate differently in different economic conditions. But, um, you know, that wasn't, uh, that didn't hold true last year um, no. because they both had a particularly challenging year. Um, but generally speaking, they tend to sort of pull in different directions. So that for me is probably one of the, the overriding principles. Yeah, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And again, I think that brings a comfort level um, because, yeah. you know, when one's doing well, one might not be doing so well. But as you say, over time, the idea is that, um, you know, you, you will make more than you lose. Um, and that's kind of like the the underwriting principle of investing, really. And Nafisa, is there anything you've learned that's made you more comfortable with risking your money? Um, probably just understanding, I think something that Bex touched on was learning about the markets and the economy and learning that they overlap but are essentially two different things. So I yes. think that's something that is quite scary as a young person because you see, you know, the cost of living crisis, you're just, it's quite a frightening time to be a young really person because yeah. you're just wondering like, you know, if I put my money and start investing, like how am I gonna afford to pay my bills? How am I gonna afford to pay rent? Um, how am I gonna get on the property ladder, for example? So there's a lot of worries, I think. And I think just knowing, I guess having that knowledge, like you say as well, that historically that stock markets will recover. And just also, I guess, just knowing, like when I look at my portfolio, I guess um, that it's diversified and that, you know, maybe sometimes things will go down, but over time, and like you, like you said, Bex, about having time on my side, I know that I've got such a long time frame that, 
you know, it's not, it won't really affect me nearly as much, I would say, as someone who's kind of next to retirement or something. So yeah. for me, I think I'll, taking that long view makes me feel better and more happy about investing and just a lot more comfortable, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, th- I think that's exactly right. And in fact, once you w- begin to understand how, how, how markets work and how your contributions can build, you really don't mind periods of volatility yeah. or, in fact, periods where markets are falling. You need them. That's the mm-hmm. reality. As a, as a younger person investing, if you're early in your sort of investing journey, you don't want inv- uh, markets at record levels, frankly. <laughs> you do want lower lower levels to get in there so that they have room to grow into, right? I mean, that's how it works. Um, finally, then, from each of you, um, are there any words of encouragement that you would give to people who might be unsure whether they should invest? You know, what would you tell them Bex in order for them to take the plunge oh goodness I suppose it's some of the points that we've picked up already but it's 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 this principle of just getting started whatever Mm. you do get started and the fact that you don't have to put in a lot for it to make a difference you know 25 pounds a month it's cost of getting your nails done it's a pizza takeaway it it really isn't that much of a sacrifice and those little amounts over time really do make such a massive difference i know that certainly i wish i'd known more about investing when i was younger and i'm just i'm pleased that you know i've been working at fidelity now for sort of some five years and and that i'm able to pass that knowledge down to my children so that they'll sort of get off on a, a really positive financial foot and yeah. so that's it from me yeah and Nafisa, how about you um i think the slogan just do it is probably the best way um i think uh, because I found investing daunting, actually what I did was kind of start with such a small sum. So I think maybe about 50 pounds and just played with it and just stuck it in things that I wanted to, uh, pulled it out if I wanted to. Um, and then just from there, just ha- kind of feeling more comfortable with it and confident with buying shares or buying a fund. Um, I think starting small is better because I think sometimes what's overwhelming is you don't want to part with the large amount of cash. Yeah. So just doing that regular saving, I think is is probably the best way, I think. Fantastic. Well, thank you both so much for coming in today. I think that was a really useful discussion. I think people will find that useful, even if they are more experienced investors themselves. Thank you both for joining me. Thanks for having us. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.